college football coach in charge of a constantly losing team ends up finding a special talent in the water boy. He seems to have a unique tackling ability. Becoming a member of the team, they become unstoppable. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Leger. I'm Connor Zagari. Welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today we'll be talking about one of famous comedian Adam Sandler's early films, The Waterboy. Why a huge box office hit and ranked highly amongst his filmography by fans. Uh, the critics, on the other hand, weren't nearly as kind, many complaining about slow humor and cheap gags, a.k.a. literally what defines Adam Sandler's career, for better and for worse. Um, so with that, I'll shoot over to Connor for those scores. Yeah, The Waterboy is one of those films I always assumed was, you know, one of his best. This was my first time watching this, but the fans have always been pretty kind to this one, so I was kind of shocked to see how much the critics hated this. Uh the Waterboy is rocking a 33% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 71% audience score. Critics' consensus is the harshest I've ever seen. Listen to this. This is an insult to its genre with low humor and cheap gags. An insult to comedy itself. That is that is low. <laughs> that's that's taking a it, shot. It's not the funniest movie of all time, but it also is not Freddy Got Fingered. It's it's decent. Yeah, why is this an insult? But Freddie Got Fingers getting like reevaluated as a fucking comedy classic. Go fuck yourselves. Um, well, and that and it's so weird because like I am of a point that like look, I I like both high and low brow humor. I I'm not one of those like I only want my humor smart and witty. Like yeah, that makes me laugh. But also like yeah, a fart joke makes me laugh too. Okay. For every like movie like Clue that relies on witty humor or a lot of British humor, like the Cornetto trilogy, if you will, I also what we were actually talking about before recording, sit and laugh my ass off at a Jackass film. Like I like both types of humor. It, as long as it's, if it's funny, it's funny. I don't give a shit how what type of humor it is. Well, you know, comedy, much like horror, is very reactionary. You don't really get to choose what makes you laugh, what makes you scared. You know, it's a reaction of like, oh, shit, that was funny. Or, ah, you know, it's completely up to your body. So I don't really believe people who say they don't like lowbrow comedy. I think they're just trying to look smarter than you. When in reality, yeah. it's like if somebody gets hit in the balls, you're going to instinctively be like, <laughs> yeah, it's part of being a human being. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying not to laugh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and it's like they always do when you say, oh, if you ever mention that you like anything like Adam Sandler films, Jim Carrey movies, the scary movie franchise, or like Jackass, and all of a sudden it's, okay, so you don't like the serious comedies, and it's like, well, go fuck yourself, like, I like those too, but I also like things that are like, yeah, like you said, like, someone got kicked in the nuts, or it's a fucking poop or fart joke, or you know, in this one, the fucking wedding, the bed joke, like, yeah, they're low value, they're cheap, quick gags, but I, I laugh, fucking laughed. Yeah, humor is, you know, it's subjective, but it's also reactionary. So, you know, sometimes you'll laugh at something you didn't think you would find funny, and in the moment you have to make some, you know, observations about yourself, which are kind of the best yeah. moments. 
Yes. Or sometimes you watch a comedy a couple years later, certain comedic moments haven't aged so well because the times have changed. And you don't sometimes realize your audience and you laugh and you're like, oh, shit, no one else is laughing. And now I have, oh, God. On that note, I did interestingly read an article earlier today where Ben Stiller straight up refused to ever apologize for Tropic Thunder. He said it's he's, yes. still, he's still intensely proud of that movie and proud of all the work everybody did in it. And it was supposed to be controversial then and now. And it's he's very, very proud of that film. So yes, that's props. I am I am proud of that film too. I will always love Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder is hilarious. Okay, and look, I get it. I'm not saying I don't get where people come from. Like, uh, I know a lot of people it's the blackface with uh, Robert Downey Jr. But again, the joke is that he's a he's a meta, uh, not a meta. The joke is that he's a method actor. Like, it's it's a part of the joke. Yeah. So he's a like, dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. It's very. Dude like very prevalent what's going on in that movie and that's yeah. everyone else is upset by it in the film they're like why are you doing this <laughs> yeah like that's the whole point that's why like yeah the actual black characters in the movie the whole movie going dude are you serious <laughs> yeah it's because it's such a layered smart joke that no one's gotten in trouble and i don't think anyone will because for once they actually get the fucking joke yeah so yeah but that's just and you know and that's that's just the thing with comedy like it 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 just it a you know eventually with the times things change on what people find okay and not okay right and i'm not trying to say like because we said one time it's okay you know i'm not i'm not here to play that fucking game right now but it's just how it works right so sometimes comedies don't age well because of that right um at the end of the day though like you always gotta remember like i say like remember the context for when the film came out right um you know, and I'm don't, and this is kind of on my mind because I watched the recent, uh, not Jeff, Jeff Jim Jeffries stand up special, and he went after his own community that gets up in arms about everything. Okay. And because of that, that is why they are getting the target by comedians. Just saying, stop getting mad, be quiet about it, and they'll shut up. Your reaction yeah. is why we keep getting jokes on it. Yeah. If they know it's, you know, if someone who makes jokes for a living knows they're going to rile up a certain group by just, existing they're gonna go for the jugular it's what they do yeah because you i i don't know if you watched it i know i texted you because he he yeah he sure goes like so southern community's been getting mad at uh you know dave Chappelle and ricky gervais and he's like you know i'm i'm pro i'm i'm with them but i also love headlines and he just goes <laughs> oh i i have not gotten a chance to watch it yet but i love jim jeffrey's work and i i am planning to check this out soon Oh, the new special is really funny. It's great. Um, so yeah, that's that's you know that's kind of like again the little two bits I have when it comes to like comedy and this. But surprisingly, not my question because I kind of want to avoid that because I kind of get you know I don't want to get too deep in that if I'm being completely honest. And that is this is our first time really talking about Adam Sandler on this podcast. I believe actually on Filmgasm podcast and no, we did Uncut Gems. Yeah, I think that's it though. That is. I be- yeah, I think that's the only time Uncut Gems is it. Yeah. Okay, so this is our first comedy, our first true sailor comedy, then. So, with that, I'm going to keep this one kind of simple and say, why do you think, even with his more recent inconsistency with his output, audience have constantly flocked to his films, both in the box office and obviously his streaming numbers, which have consistently been through the roof? Well, Sandler's one of the, you know, iconic 90s comedians. You know, he was part of the, one of the greatest classes of. Saturday Night Live history and 
broke out into film in a big way, made films, you know, comedies that have lasted since the 90s that are still hilarious. People still love. He's also got a reputation for being a really nice person and very warm with his fans and people love to work with him. And he's always reliable for a good laugh. You know, he just he doesn't take himself too seriously. His productions usually are, you know, set in some tropical place where he and his friends can go take a vacation for a little bit, which I get it. If I had the money to do that, I would do exactly that. Yeah. And again, you got to respect that. He's very open about that. He doesn't. He's like, yeah, that's why I've made some of these movies. Yeah. He's not trying to change the world. He's not trying to, you know, become the funniest human being on Earth or act like he is. He's just making content for him and his friends. It's what he loves to do. I can relate. I love doing the same thing. But uh, yeah, I think Sandler's just he's got this aura about him that few comedians in history have had, you know, Eddie Murphy, uh, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, these guys who just were so damn funny in their time. And that has just kind of carried over to generation after generation, just rediscovering their work. Mm. And Sandler's just one of those guys who's going to be there forever because his work is so goddamn funny for the most part. You know, he's got his stumbles. They all do. But he also made Happy Gilmore. And that alone, you know, gives him a spot in comedy Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty much I would yeah, you kind of hit it on the all the all the things I was thinking about myself with that. It's like you said, his you know, I know we talked about it before on the on the on the on Oscar Sunday with the whole legacy thing. Um but you know, even with like his his you know, his kind of like more inconsistent output that he had, it's like you said, he also has Big Daddy and fucking Little Nicky and this one, the Waterboy and Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Like he has these huge hit comedies that people flock to and are told like oh if you gotta check out on channel you gotta check this out you know what i mean like people go back to these constantly so even yeah with his inconsistent output he still has these that the, the writing scene is considered one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time yeah the water boy is still the highest grossing sports comedy ever made which is yes bonkers you, to me <laughs> you know what's the second highest grossing sports comedy the longest yard with adam fucking sandler <laughs> and what I also love about Sandler is that when he does commit to a dramatic performance, he is fucking lights out. You look at films like yes. Love and Uncut Gems, he's got range. And when he does go in that direction, he's, you know, he wows people. And I love a versatile filmmaker. Yeah. And that's another thing. It's like, you know, obviously you got your people that like pull the, I can't watch this because it's Adam Sandler. You know what I mean? Like people like can't see past comedian being traumatic, which I just, I don't, I can't grasp that because I'm like, they're actors at the end of the day. Like, yeah, even though they're primarily known for one type of thing, they can do others because they're actors. And um, yeah, you know, you watch things like Punch Trunk Love, uh, Spanglish. Um, I think Remember, Remember Me, I believe is what it was called. Rain Over um, Me. Rain over me. Rain over me. Thank you. I was like, what was it? Rain over me. Obviously, recently with Uncut Gems, he has range. He has proven time again that, like, dramatic wise, he has it. Like, he can fucking do it. He obviously, like, he is comfortable doing comedy, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what he likes to do. But the fact that he does like to occasionally say, "Let me stretch it. Let me do something different. Let me like stretch it out, but out in." And I, I, I think he got snubbed, in my opinion. Um, big time with the Oscars. He, I'm not saying I'm at least nominated for Christ's sakes. Um, that you know, I think that responds with a lot of his fans, a lot of people. That's like, okay, 
I know, like, even if he's inconsistent with comedy, like, hey, he has some good dramas if I want something different from him. Um, I heard his recent one that's on Netflix, the basketball movie, uh, Hustler, Hustle, Hustle, or whatever. Hustle, thank you. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I've heard he's really good in that, which makes sense. The guy's a massive basketball fan in real life. Um, so I think that helps. And like you said, his personality. Um, I do think, especially nowadays, as we're kind of proven with, like, the Gen Z and younger generations, and this is not me like attacking them. Don't I'm not trying to pull this like millennial bullshit. Um, but they have kind of proven some very interesting interesting things to me, and that is like they have been kind of paying a lot more attention, taking into account the personality of the celebrity more than ever. They're kind of one of the biggest ones when it comes to like the cans. And in this case, I do mean it in a positive with the cancer culture and like taking it into these these celebrities into task and account. Um, in this case, I mean, in a positive, I know, you know, yes, I do think there's a negative side, of it, but in this case, I mean, in a positive way. And um, I think someone like Sandler, you know, it works because he has such a good reputation. You know what I mean? He is known to be a super nice guy and great with his fans. And like I said, with a younger generation is paying more attention to that than ever compared to us and, you know, our parents and so on and so forth. I think that helps him a lot sustain for years because, People know, hey, he's a nice guy. Like, he's not a dick. Yeah. You look at the opposite. Look at a guy like Mike Myers, who had, you know, box office success for years with Wayne's World and the Austin Powers franchise and Shrek. Then he makes the love guru. It bombs. And we never fucking hear from him again. Sandler has bombed many times. He's made some shit movies that did not go anywhere. But he's still here because he was able to, you know, get some some leeway some forgiveness from fans where he's like you know oh, it's okay i'll get him next time mm-hmm. where everyone knew about mike myers is you know tendency to be pretty difficult and they had an opportunity to be done with him and they took it <laughs> yeah exactly because and guess what i mean even when people like at first when i was like oh sam has been relegated netflix some people thought like that was the death of him no it was almost like a rebirth because he became like he has made such he has been with them for decades now for like well over a decade at least and he has turned out some of their biggest hit fucking original releases like so it's like it no like and he still does box office films he just now has the best of both worlds he can pick and choose what the hell he wants to do yeah. and yeah it's because like like you said people at the end of the day they like working with them you know what i mean he and he has his group of friends he likes to work with so that probably financial wise saves them a shit ton of money because hey well i can cast my friends who like i like working with anyway fucking bring them on board so it's like i yeah i you know he's one of those that like it makes sense his his success for all these years um and it's nice to see that like someone a good person like saying that's such a good general person that yeah even if he's not hitting with his comedies even if there's some stuff i'm like dude what like jack and joe i'm just like what were you thinking like he, because of his personality, I'm glad to see him still going. It was like Keanu Reeves, like, yeah, I'm glad Keanu Reeves had John Wick and is still going because even with his kind of middling middle years, he's such a nice, genuine dude that you're like, yes, yes, a good yeah. story is happening in Hollywood for once. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way about Brendan Fraser right now, whose name I finally learned how to say right, thanks to Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to quote Jules from, Paul oh yeah, because they're friends in real life. Yeah, they did Airheads together. But to quote Jules from Pulp Fiction, personality goes a long way. And I firmly believe that. You know, you can be a talentless hack who delivers nothing but shit. But if you're a nice person, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and if you notice, again, he, he attracts other nice guys. Like, he's good friends with Brendan Fraser. And, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about how, you know, how slow he is as a person. Did you see, real quick, I just want to mention it. Someone gave him the damn bumper sticker. I did. <laughs> and he, like, actually flashed it. He, like, straight up flashed it during a picture and then put it <laughs> back into his suit. At the red carpet for the uh, BAFTAs, I think it was. Yeah, he's, you know, he had the sticker that said, Honk, if you'd rather be watching the 1999 classic The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my god. I saw that, and then I saw like an old interview where like, I think it was like Furry Vengeance or something when he was asked like, oh, you had a fake like fighting with the animals? He's like, yeah, I had a fake fighting with them. They're like, well, can you show us? It's like, no, I don't know. And they pulled out a fake animal. <laughs> And he's like, well, if you're going to make me, and during the interview, actually acted out getting into a fight with a fake animal. <laughs> animal. <laughs> oh, my God. He is nothing if not accommodating. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't like the monkey on George of the Jungle. He, I, I guess heard, he yeah, I heard that whole thing the on the Graham Norton show. He got really like angry about that. <laughs> But yeah, these guys, you know, they may not always hit at the box office. You know, they may have years go by where they have no like no films or bad films. But, you know, I'm willing to give, you know, me like a lot of other audience members are willing to give them a chance because of, you know, the way they approach their careers, the way they approach their fans. Mm-hmm. You know, decency gives you points. I, you know, I believe that. It does. And if you look at all these people, all these people named Sandler, Fraser, Reeves, a lot of their ongoing success has been fans because at all various points critics gave up on them like on all three of them various points the fans never did and to this day all three are working two of them are enjoying a hell of a resurgence in fraser and uh uh, reeves and sandler's just still doing his thing like he is still just doing his thing like he is still a big name everyone still knows who the fuck adam sandler is yeah I i love that he'll randomly pop in and you know host saturday night live he doesn't forget his roots They'll go back there sometimes. Like, did you ever see the uh, Sandler family reunion sketch? No. <laughs> it was the whole cast of SNL doing Adam Sandler impressions to Adam Sandler. And it was so funny. Sandler is breaking the whole fucking time. <laughs> they're all really good at it. <laughs> God. They've done a couple of those. They did one for Jim Carrey. They did one for Christopher Walken. I love that. That sketch design, just doing impressions in front of the guy, it, it always it always lands. Oh, that's that's good. I like. I have to watch some Carrie and Sandler, Sandler ones. You know, it's ah, and it's funny because I remember when I was getting Sandler when I was getting the Jim Carrey because they kind of like were coming out roughly roughly same time. I should know Carrie's a little bit sooner, but Sandler and him, I remember just like I remember when I got to Sandler, and I was like, oh, if you like him, you like Jim Carrey. And I was like, okay, and I watched him. I was like, oh my god, these two are great. Yeah, I remember that. You know, growing up in the '90s, you know, my, a lot of my tapes were Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey comedies that I just kept watching. And yeah, for me, when I, my my Jim Carrey movies when I was a kid were The Mask and Batman Forever, and my Sandlers were Big Daddy and The Wedding Singer. And I just kept watching those. So, and you know, I I discovered the rest of their work as I grew up, but those were the those were the kind of the the foundation. Yeah. Well, to me, they're like oddly enough a perfect yin and yang because Sandler had like the over the top like how how he could project his voice and just do these fucking freakouts. 
Whereas Carrie had the physical humor down so fast, so it was like there was just something out there that was fun to watch them together. I always wish they had done like a comedy together. Yeah, yeah, that would have been awesome. A lot of these guys didn't, you know, cross paths in film, which is weird, you know. We didn't. We didn't have another like because obviously you had um was, was it the Rat Pack? I believe they called it in the eighties with Molly Ringwald and her guys and her people like John Hughes and all of them. Yeah, the Brat Pack. Yeah, the Brat Pack. Thank you. We had that, and obviously they were in a lot of stuff together. We didn't really get another pack until like uh, Will Ferrell and like Judd Apatow kind of broke out, and then we got all those guys constantly popping up in each other's stuff. Well, I think I guess maybe like in the nineties, there really wasn't you know there wasn't really a John Hughes or a Judd Apatow like a, a primary comedic actor to really create an ensemble like that. Yeah, I think that's probably why we didn't get one. Yeah, that seems to have never saw it. I keep hoping we'll get one soon because I God do we need it in a comedy in my opinion. Um I per per just per comedy, not talking about like horror comedy, all the stuff that does still come out. I just don't think we've had a a great uh I've said it before a troop of poor comedians long time. Um but I hope soon to get one and have another great year or a great couple of years. Well, there's there's always the machine. I I won't have to watch that show if I go to bed tonight. (laughs) But that's about uh, that's about all I got. So unless you have more, I think it's time to move on to Development Hill, which is not that beefy this time for once. Nice, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of SNL. Uh, the idea for the Waterboy originated back when Sandler was on Saturday Night Live, like when he was an actual cast member back in the day. Uh, Sandler would be quoted as saying, and I quote, uh, you could compare him to Canteen Boy, whereas he does love water, and they both get picked on a lot, but the thing I like the most about this character is just that he's a genuine good person. You ever see Canteen Boy? So, I have not. It is so creepy. It's uh, Alec Baldwin is a scoutmaster trying to seduce Canteen Boy, played by Adam Sandler, into sleeping with him. And it was, you know, 90s where that was totally acceptable to, to do, but it has not aged well. <laughs> but Sandler's good in it. And he's basically playing Waterboy. He's got the same voice. A, yeah. But Baldwin's okay. like ripping his, his shirt open and like he's got like baby oil and he's like, come closer, Canteen Boy. It's it's oh so creepy. <laughs> well, especially now with all the shit going on with Alec Baldwin. Uh, um, no. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I I just want to I again we haven't talked about Sailor being a good person. I like how even in this quote he's like the thing I like the most that this guy's a genuine good person. Is like Jesus, he really is just a nice guy. Like I like the thing I like most about this character is he's not a dick. Well, honestly, most of Adam Sandler's characters are kind of you know they're like that. They're not like they're genuinely good people. That sure they have their freak out moments, but they always do the right thing in the end. Yeah, no, except for Uncut Gems, Even... he was a pretty unrepentant piece of shit. Gosh, he was an absolute piece of shit throughout that movie. <laughs> oh god, god, I'm getting like anxiety just thinking about that movie. Um, right? Wasn't it fucking great? Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's the quote. Uh, the writer of the film, Tim Hur- Hurley, or how do you say that last name? Hurley, I think. Thank you. Said the story was intended to invert the formula of his previous films, 
where Sandler was typically an extreme character surrounded by regular people, which makes sense for those who have seen a, a good chunk, especially in earlier films, like Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore, or even, I think, no, Little Nicky was after this, I believe. But Sandler was always like good at being like the extreme character. Happy Gilmore is probably the most famous example of that, the one everyone knows. But, you know, don't you want to go home? Don't you want to go to your home? For me, nothing beats the, the like that first time he's putting and that guy's in the crowd being like, this is unbelievable. He's so terrible at this. And he finally, Happy gets the ball in the hole. He goes up to that guy. He's like, I was just trying to put the ball in the hole. I couldn't do it. I wanted to. And he just grabs the guy's shirt off and punches him off the hill. <laughs> the price is wrong, bitch. I I always forget fucking Ben Stiller's in that movie and so goddamn funny. But the whole, like, you're in my ward now, Grandma. <laughs> you will go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, by a mile, my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Like, nothing oh, to topping Happy Gilmore. <laughs> no, it's, it's so good. So, anyway, can I just quickly say, I love Mincer. I, God, do I love when he goes into character, like, in, like, like Happy Gilmore or, like, Dodgeball or something like when he goes like full character, like he is so fucking funny. He plays such a great prick. He doesn't do it often, but when he does it, God, is he great. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. No one makes me my own blood. No one. Oh. We're better than you. We know it. <laughs> I I know I watched dodgeball recently. Um, and I noticed something I'd never seen before in the beginning at the, during the Globo Gym commercial. The plastic surgery center is called the Shame Reduction Center. <laughs> you know, what, you know what makes me happy. I'm so I want to mention this scene first. Off, from interesting, I'm very happy that him and his wife are here to work things out. It shows that love does exist in Hollywood. Fuck yeah. That's such a beautiful story. They were going to separate, then COVID happened, and he, you know, he moved back in, and they found love again, and they said, you know what, let's stay together. I'm like, oh god, that's that's so beautiful. Um, that's the romantic in me deep down. Um, but I I say that because one of the things that makes me laugh so fucking hard is when uh his his wife Christine Taylor, for those of you who don't know, um, she goes to interview him and he pumps the air into his crotch. He has to do, and I believe when they filmed Dodgeball, they were dating at the time. I believe dating or like married or something. I think they were seeing each other though. They they were together for sure. Yeah, yeah, they were together for sure. So he's doing this idea of like him having to do this scene with the his significant other of like his fucking enlarged crotch. <laughs> he's like openly sitting and showing it off. <laughs> oh, oh, that is such a funny fucking movie. I I love Dodgeball. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so um and it does make sense uh what uh Horlily god damn it what Tim here is saying <laughs> Tim H is saying about the movie because yeah, like honestly, Waterboy compared to like a lot of his other films, like Sandler is actually relatively subdued, everyone else around him is pretty ridiculous. So it, it makes sense because yeah, you like I said you watch Happy Gilmore like other than like Ben Stiller's outrageous character, everyone else is pretty grounded. Like Sherman McGavin's a straight up bad guy, straight up asshole. Whereas you know Happy is just like an absolute over the top character. So it, yeah, I I 
for the time it Waterboy came out, that was probably a smart move to kind of play around with that and say, like, let's let's try doing it different in this one. Yeah, it worked out. I think it's you know it's good to have one you know one kind of anchor character in a world that's absolutely insane. And the mm-hmm. Waterboy definitely has that. Yeah. Um good old Tim H here, because I'm not trying to say that last name anymore. Um would also be on record on how he couldn't believe their luck in getting Kathy Bates to play Sandler's uh, church mother. Because apparently, she said no at first. Yeah. So, originally, Bates' agent did not want her in the film, and Bates herself threw the script in the trash after reading only a couple pages because she's not interested in football. That's interesting because, you know, after watching Failure to Launch, I would have assumed she said yes to everything. God damn it. Well, probably after this one she did. Um the reason the reason she ended up in the movie though was her niece, who was a big fan of Adam Sandler at the time, spotted the script, saw his name on it, and then would be the one to ultimately convince her to reconsider and take the role. Another case of a kid being like, Hey, whoa, Aunt Kathy, like, hold on. This is Adam Sandler we're talking about here. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Which at that time makes sense. Like he's a huge ass comedian at this time. Like he's fucking. This is peak Sandler. If we're ever at peak, true. It would have been stupid to turn this down. Uh, yeah. But I get it. You know, you you start reading the script and you're like, ah, football, blah, and you just throw it away. I kind of mm-hmm. get that. You know, at that point, she's an Oscar winning actress. She might be a bit selective. Well, see, th- I don't think she was really known for doing roles like this at that time. Oh, no. Um, After Misery, she was the she was the the lady who broke James Conn's ankles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense at this time she's not really known for this, right? Um, but luckily, because Sandler just has this effect with his actors, it's been reported that she actually ended up having a great time playing a silly role for a change, and that's probably why we see her in so many different things nowadays. She's like, you know what? Fuck it. I had a fun time here. I'll, I'll take chances more often. It's good. It's good because she's been, you know, she she's had some good comedic stuff. Like she was in the last couple seasons of The Office. She was great in that. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad she was able to kind of step out of her wheelhouse. Yeah, I think it works out. I mean, I, I like Kathy Bates. Like she's certainly like someone I'm always like, oh hey, Kathy Bates in this cool. Um, so I I'm glad she she gave her a chance. I do think she's one of the better parts of this film. Like actually, I think she I think she she definitely is committing to the role in this yeah yeah for sure um and then that as far as like development that's really about it except that upon release as i stated earlier the film would be a dud with the critics like we talked about who are not on board with saying they're fan of humor which was probably really what they're saying like most critics if you actually look up a lot of sounds movies you can tell critics just hated <laughs> this guy it was just like, oh my god, another Sandler movie where he's doing dumb shit. Whereas the audience eating that shit up, it was just constant. Like especially during this period, it was just like, oh my god, new Sandler movie. We have to see this. Well, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, comedy is largely subjective and reactionary. And if you already, if you're a critic and you already hate this guy just on principle, you're not gonna. That, nothing's breaking through that. You're not going to laugh because you're going to force yourself to not laugh. You're going to be like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this movie before it even started. So I don't think you can really judge comedy critically. I don't think you can do that. No. And um, no, you can't. And like I said, like I, I've always felt like 
more so with sailor and things like Curry's just are never on board with shit. It's just always like it just feels like there's almost like this like oh god we have to review another sailor movie. Oh god. Whereas the only time he ever seems to get any love for Craig's is when he steps outside his row house and does his, you know, like we talked about Uncut Jones, Punch Truck and Love. Then he gets praised. And all of a sudden they forget that it was Adam Sandler, the comedian. They're like, oh, here we go, the actor. And I'm like, yeah, he's good at both, you you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, just don't watch, just don't watch it. Go review the drama that came out that week. If you already don't give a shit about Sandler and his brand of comedy. Why are you like why are you trying to take it away from us? Right. And it goes back to what I say, like, yes, is all comedy is all forms of comedy is funny to me. Adam Sandler is really, really good at lowbrow humor. He is just good at it. Yes, sometimes it's not always funny, as we've said, but some films like Jack and Jill. But every so often he hits and it's fucking hilarious. Those stuff, even in his like years of inconsistency, there's still some stuff I enjoyed. I remember enjoying um I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember liking it when I was a kid. I know I'm probably gonna have a lot of people yelling at me, but whatever. <laughs> um yeah, of all films you could choose to like defend hit his brand of comedy, that's probably the, the worst one you could have well, picked. I'm sticking I'm sticking with it. As a kid, people, Jesus, it's been years. I remember finding it funny. Um, you don't mess with the Zohan, but again, haven't seen that one in years either. I remember being like, "Oh, this is funny." Uh, there was a couple. I remember being like, "Oh, these are great." I remember this one especially. I'm sure, like, I need to rewatch because I do remember thinking that's my boy was funny. Everybody hated it, but it's also been a very long time since I've seen <laughs> that's my boy. Yeah, I didn't really dig into Sandler's post '90s work that much. Uh. Every time I did, I was like, this is terrible. Uh, like, bedtime stories. I didn't care for that. I didn't like grown ups. I didn't like grown-ups Chuck Larry. Yeah, grown ups I didn't like. I didn't I didn't like bedtime stories. And and that's why I said I didn't rewatch Chuck and Larry because I remember also I watched because Jessica Bill was in it, and that was like my peak. Like I had the hugest crush on her years of my of my life. So I was like, oh my god, Jessica Bill's in this, and you know, she has yeah. So that's why I said I didn't rewatch that one. So But uh, yeah, like I said, in regards to this one, again, this is peak, peak Sandler. So critics hated it, but big, huge box office success to the point that, like we talked about uh, earlier, it is still currently the highest grossing sports comedy of all time, with Sandler's own remake of The Longest Yard being second, which, hey, I actually do like his take on The Longest Yard. That shit makes me laugh every time I watch it. Have you seen uh, his, his take on it? I have not. I haven't seen either one of The Longest Yard films. Really? Okay. Burt Reynolds is in both. He's the main character in the original, and he Sandler got him to come back for the remake to play a you know a character. Um, I think it's funny. I think it's actually really really funny. Um, really again, like I don't know how you get some of these casts. It has like him and William Fickner is in it as one of the guards. Um, Terry, I believe Terry Crews is in it. Like it, it's a lot of it's a solid solid cast. And I, I, I personally think it's super duper funny. Like I laugh my ass off every time I watch it. So you, you might like it. I'm not. You might like it more than this. This one, honestly, he doesn't do the voice. I'll, I'll <laughs> give you that. He doesn't do the voice, so you might like it more. <laughs> yeah, I do prefer when Adam Sandler's not doing the voice. That's that's a big one for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Then I, hey, you know what? If you have the time, I recommend you check out the Longest Yard. I think you'll have a better time with that one. 
Uh, yeah, Chris Rock is all, there. We go, Chris Rock's and he's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember the trailer for that when I was a kid. I remember wanting to see it, and then I just never did. Uh, but I will. Yeah, I, it. I I will say I do prefer the Wild Boy. I've I've watched Longest Yard more times than I have the Wild Boy personally. Um, so I I I stand by it personally. Um. With that, since its release of Waterboy, not Longest Yard, uh, fans have regularly considered this amongst Sandler's best comedy films. It's usually highly regarded, usually from like the top ten, for some people top five, depending on who you ask, but it's usually up there. Um, as recent, uh, actually speaking much of the few films, of the Sandler comedies you have seen, would you put this in like a top ten or top five if you were to come up with it, or no? Top ten, maybe. Top five, no. Okay, yeah. What 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 is in your top five other than obviously Happy Gilmore? What else would you put up there? Uh, in no specific order because I don't have time to do that. Uh, Fair enough. Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, The Wedding Singer, Billy Madison, and we're just talking comedies, right? Yeah, let's just think about comedies for now. Okay, and if you can't think of one, if you can't think of one, I will stretch it to his trauma because I know you're probably thinking <laughs> on cut gems. I'm trying to just I'm trying to keep it in comedy. Uh, hmm. I guess maybe Little Nicky. Okay, I can see that. I do find Little Nicky a bit more funny. The most which is funny is some people are like, I don't like Little Nicky. I'm like, I think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's so stupid. He is doing the fucking voice, but we've got Harvey Keitel as Satan, Rodney Dangerfield as Satan's dad. Yeah. And- Chubbs from Happy Gilmore shows up at one point. It's yeah. Ozzy's in that movie. It's so fucking over the top. Tarantino is a blind street preacher. He turns Coke into Pepsi. It's, it, there's yeah. moments. His mom's like a super hot angel. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's 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 insane, but it's got its moments. And yeah, I I do like parts of it. Okay, fair enough. Big Daddy's always been a favorite of mine too. I fucking that shit cracks me up so much. Yeah, Big Daddy's great. Big Daddy's so good. Um, okay, fair enough. I probably wouldn't put it in my top. I probably put um the ones you name above it in my top five as well. But yeah, top ten, I'd put it. I if I was do like a expansion of top ten, this would one hundred percent be in the top ten. Um, there's plenty I don't have to put in there. Funny. <laughs> Um, but fun little fact what I figured out to end this on down development hill on as recent as September of 2022, so last year, Sandler has stated he would be open to making a sequel to this. Ah, oh, boy, I don't know if that would work. I don't know because one time he's only done sequels wise, he's kind of like Jim Carrey, he doesn't really do sequels. But I know he did Grown Ups 2, and I actually hated Grown Ups 2 more than I hated the first one, which I didn't think was possible. And then I think Murder Mystery 2 on Netflix. Murder. Yeah, Murder Mystery 2. So, yeah, I think those are the only two times I can think of he's done like a comedy or a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, hey, yeah. You know what? If you want to pick any of your more bigger hits to do it to, why not? The, fuck it. Do the Waterboy. Let's, let's see what the Waterboy toy has, has to offer. <laughs> but, uh, I'm kind of I'm glad he hasn't like gone back to the well. I'm not that big of a fan of comedy sequels. They rarely land. And I don't know if yeah. I want to see, you know, a shitty Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, I don't. 
you know, as we kind of saw with uh, thinking of it, just again, Jim Carrey, how how he was with sequels. Um, you know, yeah, personally, um, again, I didn't know, I I I, I didn't know this was going to be a hot take, but as someone who does like the first Ace Ventura, I also re- actually really do like the second one. Um, and I was actually really happy he came back to do that because I, I like both of them. But then, then you have Dumb and Dumber and Dumb and Dumber or Dumb and Dumber 2. And, oh, 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 oh. but you know what? The great unifier, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yes. Yes. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. You know, sometimes. In comedy people always talk about like horror, horror sequels i'm like most horror sequels are actually really good like most hit like yeah you got your duds but most hit i was like let's talk about comedy sequels those really are hit and miss like yeah you have your anchorman twos you have your fucking 22 jump streets but then you got your dumb and dumbers too and other sequels that no one fucking asked for that we don't care about yeah it's just not worth it you know a lot of you know a lot of great films are lightning in a bottle you can't capture that greatness twice you can't do it no to me especially with comedy like i think people forget that like a lot of times these things work because of like just that moment like the fact that something like 22 jump street works just as well if not better than 21 jump street never fucking happens in comedy (laughs) it is the exception uh yeah i i wish it wasn't but that is regrettably the case because you know a lot of a lot of great comedy is you know made up on the fly it's you know improvisational it's momentary and you just you can't do that twice exactly exactly that's why when like you hear especially from like the era that we were kids right the appetite era if you will i i never get excited when they talk about like oh yeah we've talked about doing step brothers too well we're not talking about it anymore but you know for a long time we've talked about doing for those who don't know look up the whole history between adam mckay and will Felder to explain to get an understanding of why there would not be a step brothers too yeah. um But you know, like brother or no, because all those films, the thing with them is that they are famous for their riffing and how those guys would just sit there and riff take after take after take because they're improving out the ass. Like, I'd not ask them to do it a second fucking time and it not be nearly as good. You are never going to be able to duplicate boats and hosts. That is a moment trapped in time that we can all enjoy whenever we want. It's never going to, you can't do that again. No, boats and hoes, boats and hoes. <laughs> yeah, I won't see this. My dick will float. <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah, but with uh, with the whole like uh, going back to like Waterboy sequel, um, he said he'd be able to make a sequel. And, but he did say, well, our story hasn't been figured out yet. So it's not like he's saying, like, hey, it's happening. He's just like, yeah, I'd be open to it. Story hasn't been figured out yet. He has stated he looks forward to returning to the role, hopefully at some point in his, you know, in his career. Um, like, like, I know, like, to, like with anything, like we talked about, like, I, most current sequels to me are extremely hit and miss. If they can figure something out, like, that actually works, sweet, by all means. Let's see what you got. But... At the same time, like, do I really want it? Like, Kathy Bates and Henry Ringler, Henry Ringler, obviously much older now. I haven't seen Fraser Bach in too much of anything recently. Um, like, what what are you going to do with like these characters you left us with? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, well, I'm sure they do something. You know, like he maybe he's coaching football now, and I don't know something like that. He's still like the water boy, but also the coach. Yeah. <laughs> he, he needs some he needs some H two O. But uh, that's uh, that's actually it for development. That's all I got on this one. Not not as uh, um, outrageous as you know the Zodiac Killer, but interesting enough yeah not every film that the critics say are you know not every film that they say is bad is truly worth you know condemnation sometimes it's just not their cup of tea and we gotta you know revisit it and see that it works yeah a recent example for those who went to the movies the past weekend Ant-Man and the Lost Contramania critics hated it but apparently we, the audiences, disagreed big time. So, because it was a huge hit with audiences. So, yeah. A superhero movie made with CGI? Who'd have thought? God. Who would have thought the critics would fucking hate this movie? This doesn't look real. No shit. <laughs> it takes place in the quantum realm. I know. <laughs> That's that's all I got for development hell. So unless you got more ahead, we are ready for awards. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First up, the Zack Snyder of worst scene. No got anything witty to say about Snyder on the, this one. So would you pick for the worst scene? Uh, this was tough. This took me a while because there's not really any mo- like scene in the movie that's like you know cringe or hasn't aged well or anything like that. Uh, I went with a moment because I didn't need to see this it, during the final touchdown. Uh, it's, you know, there's a camera pans into the crowd of people, you know, excited. And there's a brief moment of that Cajun farmer dude, just tweaking his nipples. And I didn't want to see that. <laughs> so that's what I chose. Cause I'm like, you, you could have not shown me that. And now it's in here and it's never leaving. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, I forgot about that. I think I just I was like, oh, okay. I also was not aware that the fucking, you know, Cajun dude from Joe Dirt was in multiple films. You know, I'll get to him in a minute, actually. But you know, he was also on Boy Meets Ward as a recurring character. He was Sean Hunter's dad throughout the show. Actually, had some of the best storylines because that's how I knew. I was like, I was watching, I was like, hey, it's Sean's dad. I was like, why are you only talking like this about the movie? That is so strange. <laughs> what a weird character. Yeah. Um, look, like like you, all, all this shit was so hard for me to pay because, again, I didn't really go home. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't like, oh, this was bad. Um, so the one I, I picked, and only because we can all, we all kind of relate to how awkward this is. I spent the first day slash meeting his mom at, uh, at his house when he takes Fruza Box character to his house. And only focus, like, I think we can all relate to that awkward moment of like, okay, I think I like this person enough to introduce them to my parents. And if your parents are kind of controversial type figures that you have to prep your significant other for, we can all relate to the awkwardness of sitting at a table and hoping they don't say something <laughs> to <laughs> trigger an argument. <laughs> Yeah, throughout most of the movie, I just kept getting, you know, pissed at Kathy Bates' character because she's just like insane. You know, I, I invented electricity. 
It was crazy shit like that. Yeah. He's taken as like gospel truth. And yeah, it was just, it very much felt like a, you know, if Psycho was a comedy, this is what it would be. <laughs> My mom said that alligators are aggressive because they're ornery. It's too fucking corner sanders. Medulla obligata. <laughs> they got that all was... their teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> I, I really kept laughing when you just kept saying medulla obligata. They shut him up. I'm up medulla obligata. <laughs> why did he? Why was he dressed like Colonel Sanders? He didn't have some of the funnier moments when he kept getting injured somehow. They ever find that gorilla that escaped the zoo and punched you in the face? <laughs> oh the God. fucking ball they throw out just randomly fucking hits him. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Got its moments, yeah. So yeah, that that's why I picked, and just, not because like it's a, ter- it's just like I think it's just like we can all relate to that awkwardness. And obviously, she takes it to the extreme when she shows the fucking piss stained blanket that she has like air drying, <laughs> and you're like, oh god, Ugh, she didn't even wash that thing; she just hung it up. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know how to cook gators. She just fries them as if like she pulled them out of the river, and then like here you go, eat it. I do love when Furza Ball just grabs it and takes a fucking bite out of the head of the thing. <laughs> God. Ah. All right. All right now, so now for the next hard one to pick. The M9 Shamalon. Worst line. What, uh, what did you come up with? This one comes from uh, Coach uh, Red Bellew. Bailey- yeah. Our bad guy. And it's uh, towards the beginning of the movie. And just says something that is something you would never, I feel like even in Louisiana, nobody would ever actually say. And it was, uh, that's kind of like my old man told me one time. The only thing better than a crawfish dinner is five crawfish dinners. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You've never been to Louisiana. <laughs> like, the person who wrote that, like, no, you don't fucking, I don't think anybody from <laughs> from the bayou would actually say something like that. Oh, they're having gumbo and other shit. They're not having crawfish. <laughs> not in those swamps. <laughs> not in those swamps. It's like my mama used to say. You know, I, I hate regional sayings written by people who aren't from that region or didn't do any research. Yeah, they just go with the the usual stereotypes, and you're like, like all right. <laughs> Sometimes surprised, it hits. I surprised they didn't end that sentence with "I do declare." <laughs> I do declare that <laughs> Medulla oblongata. <laughs> I say, I say, I love me some crawfish. It's, it's so, yeah, I get it. I've seen foghorn bighorn too. I was say, when did he become foghorn leghorn? Yeah. <laughs> the second he opened his mouth and started talking about crawfish, that's when. All right. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Good one. Yeah. It, it's it's always kind of eye rolling when they just go with regional stereotypes. You're like, ah, right. You didn't do any research for this. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I went with one because I haven't heard this type of joke in fucking years, and I forgot how much I fucking hate them. And that's when <laughs> one of the football players to piss off uh the water boy here goes, "I'm going to play with your mama tonight." I'm like, oh god, I forgot about these fucking your mama jokes. 
Fuck these strokes hard. God, they're stupid. I do love his reaction where he's just like, 62. Oh, yeah, 62. <laughs> Calling his shot. I didn't like when he like he gets the football. He throws it back at him. He's like, what are you, 62? What are you? <laughs> he tackles him after he gets the touchdown and costs them the game. I love Henry Wiggler's just like, what the fuck? He's like crying on the side of on the side. Just like it was his one chance. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I do not miss yo mama jokes. God, we we peaked when we came out with that stupid ass yo mama show where people were just like trade yo mama insults. That was a thing. That was a, it was a show in fucking MT. I think Nick Cannon hosted it with like his you know twenty children and. Well, I mean, he had his pick of mamas, didn't he? That's actually pretty perfect. There, look, I'm just saying, we were living living in ward, right? Well, like apparently, women can't choose what they want to do with their bodies based off our lawmakers. And if anything, Nick Cannon should be the prime example why, like, we should just endorse vasectomies. Okay, like endorse that America, because dear God, does he need does he need that many fucking children? You can't be a parent. You can't be a good parent to that many children. No. Yeah, and look, how did Nick Cannon never hear of a condom in his entire... Yeah. Future? Look, Nick, Nick, Nicky boy. Condom, pull out, or go get a fucking... Do you have the money? Go get a vasectomy. For Christ's sakes. Stop finishing in them unprotected. I mean, why do you, as a woman, why would you keep... Why would you hook up with Nick Cannon? You've got to know you're getting pregnant. Like you, You've got to know that's going to happen. Yeah, right? Like, just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> People like him and Clint Eastwood, who can't name the amount of children that he has to this day, and he's like, like 91 years old. Like, Maybe that's why Clint can't do it. I mean, to be fair, he is 91. He probably can't even tell you what he had for breakfast that morning. Well, no, even before that, he lost count. Like, he was like, I don't fucking know. Oh, well, then he's just a shit. Yeah, it's like, this is when I go, like, see, this is this is what I'm talking about. America. Take into account men who don't like to pull out and real protection because they do you need to have 20 children or clo- even close to that number? Do you? When you're, when you're rich and famous and you hear, you know, some lady walks up to the gates of your mansion and is like, I'm pregnant, you just write a check for like $300,000 and send them on their way. It's not a hassle when you're a billionaire. Oh, God, but no, but yeah, but that's the thing. That's a billionaire. There's plenty of poor people doing that shit because of, you know, government. I know, but we don't hear about them on the news. No, we don't. To, to Stellan Skarsgård credit, another guy that has, like, apparently a lot of children, which I didn't expect because that good for him. He has some game, I guess. He did at least after, like, I think, like, child seven or, like, 11, something like that, was like, yeah, I got to protect me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm like, do you guys just not pull out? Like, come on. It's not hard. <laughs> well, I mean, it is hard. But... <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's my soapbox. <laughs> fucking stop having that many children. Pull out or forward condom or get for next me. Do you have three options? Pick one. <laughs> On that note, the Steven Seagal. Worst performance. Would who did you pick in this movie? Well, no one's really bad. So I did give this to Kathy Bates. Okay, interesting. 
And the only reason I did is because she can't quite hold a Cajun accent. No, no she can't. Yeah. Okay. So fair enough. She didn't do the kind of prep she apparently did for her Oscar winning turn in misery. And I think as an actor, you should be given that kind of level of prep to every role you take. You are a thespian. Act like it. <laughs> well, I mean, as we learn, she threw it in the script and her niece was like, whoa, whoa, Aunt Kathy, Auntie Kathy. <laughs> this is an Adam Sandler movie. What are you doing? <laughs> true but i just i didn't feel a you know real commitment to the character throughout and after hearing about why it makes perfect sense yeah yeah she was she had to be convinced by her niece um okay i'll get tournament for my next for my award after this actually so the one i picked was blake clark the one that we talked about earlier that had the the fucking nipple moment and just does the case one because the Cajun joke just like after like the first two lines I was like okay this stopped being funny this was <laughs> one of those cases where like the the Sandler indulgence happens and I'm like okay this isn't really funny cut it out like just stop it would actually be funnier if at the end of the film he actually had a t- intel like le- um legible sentence said like you heard it that would have been funny but we never get that um he like cleared his throat and all of a sudden he's speaking very eloquently yeah. Like that would have been funny, but we, yeah. Uh, but the reason is because, like I mentioned earlier, my my introduction to this actor was because I'm such a huge Boy Meets World fan. Um, that I, I watched as a kid, and he played Sean's dad, and he had a lot of really good storylines with that. Like you know, with the idea of like in the show, like he's in and out because he's like he's trying to be a good father, but he's still obsessed with getting his wife back to give you know Sean the 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 life he wants, but. He's gone so much, he's losing sight of, like, Sean needs him. And, you know, it gets very pointed towards, like, the later seasons when, sure enough, you know, his, he plays Chet is his name. You know, he passes away. They have a big moment. Really just good storyline throughout his run on Boy Meets Ward. That when I watched this, I was like, okay, this is all he does throughout the movie. And it's it's not even that funny. It stopped being funny uh, five minutes into the joke. So, I, also, I also just learned that uh, he's the guy who took over the role of Slinky Dog in Toy Story 3 and 4 after Jim Varney died. I can see that. He he does a really good, like, almost spot-on impression. Yeah, I never, I didn't make that connection. So, yeah, I get it. In this, he is annoying and weird, but I don't know. I just found, I find Cajun mumbling really funny. <laughs> so, I was on board with this. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying, like, I needed something more than just that, the whole joke. So I'm not saying at first I was like, okay, this is kind of especially when everyone would just look at him like, what the hell did you just say? I love that he's like coaching and he's giving out plays and he's just like and they're all like got it. Yeah. I like how you would show up at the parties and stuff and start partying with them, like, what the fuck? (laughs) He's like shrieking with the cheerleading team. I'm like, god damn it. Yeah, he was funny. Uh, so yeah, that's our picks. Now next up, Michael Bay. Worst filmmaking decision. What what did you what did you come up with? The voice. There it is. Like, is it what I'm thinking? One hundred percent. It's the voice. The second he opened his mouth, I'm like, are we gonna have this the whole time? <laughs> and yes, we did. That, that little weird, like you know, Mama said, Mama said, like that shit. Oh my god, I wanted somebody to punch him in the face. <laughs> I cannot stand Adam Sandler's goofy little boy voice he does for some of his movies. 
Okay, fair fair enough. I it doesn't doesn't bug me, obviously, but I I know a lot of people are like that. They're like, I can't watch these particular films because I just cannot stand that Adam Sandler voice. And I get it. It's his his voice. I don't know why he thinks it's like the funniest thing in the world, but I'm like, most people don't even like it. Just do your regular voice. Why I didn't watch that Hubie Halloween movie from a couple of years ago is I was just like, if he's gonna talk like this the whole time, I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> right. And that is fine too, because I've heard from a lot of people say, like, it's actually really funny. I've heard a lot of people like test that movie. I'm like, yeah, but he does the voice. <laughs> I know Ben Stiller reprises his role as Hal from Happy Gilmore. Okay, that actually kind of makes me want to see it more now. <laughs> Just to see Ben Stiller reprising that role. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe maybe this Halloween, you know. I, I, I can't watch it. It's literally called GB Halloween. I have to wait now until October. <laughs> uh, all right. For me, you'll get it because I've told you a bit about uh, my own personal life right now. Uh, you know, obviously off camera, you being my friend. Because and I say that because I did pick aspects of Bates' character that remind me of some political religious group, which hits close to home in a not good way for me. You know what I'm talking about without getting too too detailed. Certain family members, I'll say it like that, in my family have gone down some political religious route that I am definitely pointing out right now, not a fucking part of. Um, so sometimes some of the stuff she goes on about in this, it was like, oh fuck, like when I watched that as a kid, obviously it didn't affect me. I wasn't, I was a kid. Watching it now, I'm like, oh god damn it, that kind of reminds me of that. Uh okay. Yep. I was like, this is a character. Oh, yep, okay. So that that's what I put, and that's just a more recent watching it more recently with more recent stuff happening in my life. Yeah, I can understand that. That sucks. But I'm glad that in the movie, you know, she woke the fuck up and supported him. Yes, I will give them that. They do that. They are like, okay, look, we we have to have this like in in a you know again Adam Sandler, probably Adam Sandler being like, look, I need this to end in a good way with her character. We cannot keep her like this the whole movie. I do love when his deadbeat dad shows up and is like, we're gonna be a partnership, and she tackles his ass. Yeah, and she even makes the noise he makes too. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's sorry, that sucks, but I get it. Yeah, that's why I said you you will understand what I'm saying. I know I've talked to you about it in the past. So sorry for those who are listening. I'm not going to divulge too much about it here. Just take my word for it on that. Um, now though, let's get out of that and go into the positives, which I feel like was actually kind of easy with this one. The the server lining. So what positive did you did you pick? This film has an epic soundtrack. I mean. I heard Credence, Lenny Kravitz, the Charlie Daniels band, the Doors, the Animals, Rush. Like they went all out for this soundtrack. And I was not expecting that. So I had to give props to that impressive soundtrack. No, that's that's fair. I look, there's something about like, you know, back when, you know, you know, obviously slightly timely because I fucking got brought up again, as always on social media when it comes to metal. But with the whole Graham Norton interview shit, I'm not I'm not gonna fucking divulge here. Um but you know, obviously in the nineties, early early two thousands, rock and metal was a lot more mainstream. Um, and so you got a lot of film like we talked about before, like this, that they went kind of all out and got like the classics and mixed it with newer stuff too, right? Like you would get credence and maybe get something like, you know, not in this case, but you know, maybe they throw in like a Rob Zombie at the time, you know what I mean? And like you get these really kick ass soundtracks that 
it didn't matter if it was a horror film, an action film, or a fucking little lowbrow comedy. Like they went all out with their their soundtracks, and that is something I I totally get that. I do miss it, but obviously, I can fully admit that yeah, Rock and Metal is not as mainstream as it as it used to be. I can fucking admit that as a metalhead, I'm not delusional. Um, but hey, we had this time period where it was, and we got awesome soundtracks like this out of it because of it. So hell yeah. Yeah, I I love a good a good soundtrack. Uh yeah. For sure. Yeah, so I'm down. Uh for me, I mentioned when we were talking about earlier, like comedies, like how they age and stuff like that. And I put that like, you know, again, like I said, I'm very much of the mindset that like, hey, look, you gotta take it for what it is at the time it came out, right? Yes, I know obviously know your fucking audience when you're gonna watch something like super bad, right? Know your fucking audience. I still laugh though because I understand the time period it came out and the time period the damn movie was even set in. Um, but go and know your audience with that film, what they're what the words they are choosing to say. Um, and so with that, I did put for mind that the, this film for '98 for coming out in '98, one of the surprise, one of the least surprisingly problematic comedies to come out. Um, I'm not saying it's completely free of it, but. Like I'm actually surprised how they really seem to go all the way not to try to offend people and so actually be really fucking funny. Whereas I, I know to back my claim, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. My issue with comedies nowadays that do that that they try not to offend everybody, they're just not funny because they worry too much about okay we can't offend this group we can't offend this group well we gotta make sure we don't offend this group. This just for like this the way they wrote the movie was all it wasn't like we're not trying to offend people just the way adam sandler does his type of comedies he goes for broad generalizations never tries to hone in on anything so it tends to stay pretty like not problematic which you know is nice when you're trying to find something comedy specifically to watch for your friends and not piss someone off in the group it's true but also i miss when comedy was you know dangerous I miss when you could just say whatever the fuck you wanted and you're going to reach somebody. I, I miss that a lot. No, I do too. I like, like I just, I had to pick something for my server lining and I was like, I'm struggling here. Um, but like, no, I do too. I'm 100 with you. And I, like I said, sometimes like when you're, especially when you're first, like you may not know everyone in the French group you're with, you're like, all right, I don't want this night to go stupidly south and deal with bullshit. So what can I pick that will just fucking not be too big of a deal? Film has always been how I test my friendships. If I, if I like you, if I want you in my life, you gotta, you gotta be able to hang in that department. So I, I use film as a way to test people out. And everyone who I think is, you know, matters in my life has passed. And certain comedies like these, you know, you use them to test the waters. And I, I still do that. Yeah, I will say I will say to test waters with this one, I'd be doing it more to see, OK, are you going to make fun of this type of humor or just be on board for stupid humor? Yeah. True. But like I said, that, that, that's what I, I picked. So I was really, I was trying to blame. So I was like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. It's actually kind of refreshing not to sit and go like, ooh, you can't say that anymore. Ooh, you cannot do that anymore. I was like, oh, okay. There's literally nothing in this film that you can, at least nothing I saw that I'd be like, ooh, that's problematic now. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
Even him, even with his stupid little fucking voices and stuff, he's not even going out of his way to like make some generalization on a you know marginalized group of people. It's just like it's just Sandler doing his damn voice. That was just a well-known thing at that time. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know there's some Cajun people out there who are mildly offended, but as we've proven over the course of you know recent history, nobody gives a fuck what they think. Yeah, I, look, most most of them are uneducated. Come at me. I don't see how they'd have an internet connection to even hear this. So I think we're exactly. Hey, you know what? Just puts up. I am fucking Cajun myself. So I, I can say this. Um, I'm not, but I don't want to be one and they bother me. So I can say it too. Wow. <laughs> I'm on, I'm one of the better Cajuns. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just nice I to be able to make fun of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, sometimes it's nice to have these kind of comments, but most time I'm with you. I'm very much like, no, let's 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 put on too bad. See how you hang after too bad is over. Yeah, like I'll put on, you know, like if it's a if it's a new friendship, obviously, like with horror, you know, you're not going to go straight to the Poughkeepsie tapes on day one of a friendship. You're going to start. With, you might, and you're going to have you're going to you're going to lose some friends. You, with comedy, you know, you start with something like if we're doing Sandler, you know, you start with the wedding singer, or Happy Gilmore. And then if they can hang and you get to know this person, then you can watch the raunchy, uncomfortable stuff like, you mm-hmm. know, Eddie Murphy's Delirious or, yeah. you know, super bad. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about with this. When I mentioned like the whole like it's nice. It's like a good way to say, like, OK, let's start with this. See how you do. And then we can work our way to, you know. The stuff and let's see what you know. Come, are you gonna laugh or point out that we can't say this anymore? And look at me funny for laughing at it. You know, like what's what's about to happen? But this is like a good like first time. Like okay, let's see what you think of this. You imagine that? Like, has that ever happened to you? Where like you're watching somebody with somebody new, and all of a sudden there's a problematic joke, and they look at you and they go like, "Boo, boo, no." And then, you know what? Look, if you're doing that, especially if you're in my house doing that, you're getting out. I'm, I'm kicking your ass out. <laughs> Yeah. Trust if I like, me, if I like you up to the point where I've invited you to my apartment and then it turns sour like that, I'm yeah, I'm pulling the plug. Yeah, you're not staying in my apartment because now not only do I want to really finish this film, I don't like I don't want to finish it with you. I'm gonna keep watching it. I'm just gonna kick them out. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, I'm gonna double down and find like the most outrageous shit in my collection until they leave if they don't get the hint. Oh, you're going to boo me on this? I got the sadness rating. Let's go, dude. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The great identifier. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that is what I have. And then wraps up our words. Unless you had anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm all good. Nope. Sweet, then we shall move on to our next segment, What's in the Box. What's in the fucking box? This one's pretty mixed. Obviously, there's a lot of fans of this movie, but there's also a lot of people who don't know how to have fun. And uh, this is rocking a 2.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd, so pretty middle of the road. And uh, I have four reviews here that I hope will make you laugh. This first one's from Andy Summers. I doubt it's the Andy Summers who played with the police, but, you know, I don't know what he's doing now. Maybe it is. Um, 
Adam Sandler sold his soul to Satan at one point for a successful career. Sometimes Satan doesn't hold up his side of the bargain and leaves poor Adam to make his own mistakes. And this is one of them. One star. Jesus. A bit harsh, I think. Oh. <laughs> oh. Very harsh in my opinion. Yeah. We've established on this podcast who sold their soul to Satan. <laughs> if you are curious and you didn't catch that one, listen to our episode on The Happening. Uh. <laughs> His next one's what a from twist. Yeah. His next one's from David. Years ago, I was at a friend of a friend's house with a bunch of people, and someone put this movie on. Everybody in the room was laughing heartily as I entered an isolated nightmare state of disbelief. I began to question why I didn't understand what was apparently so hilarious. Slowly it dawned on me that there was something deeply wrong at my core that meant I couldn't properly relate to other human beings. Now I just live with my cats and never go out. Half a star. Well, I'm glad you're not going out because you sound fucking unbearable. Right? Like, I couldn't fathom how they find it funny, and I don't think I want them to be my friends. Oh my God. What I bet you are just the best at parties. Yeah. God. Like, look, don't get me wrong. I've been, you know, involved in like a like a party where they put something on and I'm not into it, but I don't act like that. I just go. I go along, and then after I leave, I go like, well, I'm not watching that movie again, because I don't, I don't like stand, it. Like, I don't, I don't stand up and be like, why is this funny? I don't understand. Why are you laughing? Like, oh, my God. What kind of like self-centered piece of shit does that? Can you, can you imagine watching like a jackass film, and after a stunt, everyone's laughing, and he just goes, he goes, why are you laughing at them getting shot by a riot gun? I don't, where, where's the humor in this? And you're like, dude, just just leave. Yeah, the humor's outside. Go look for it. Yeah. Don't let the door kick you on the way out. Jesus. <laughs> Ugh. This next one's from Zara. Watch this after Uncut Gems. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is called Range. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, Zara. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's called range. I like that. <laughs> Woo! That was good. And this last one is from Nathan Sawzak. And I think this describes the film pretty perfectly. Somehow still a classic without really holding up at all. Two stars. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's comfort. Like like I said, like it's not like if you put this movie on, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh man, the fucking water boy. This is the last thing. I'll be like, oh okay, the water boy, I'll sit down. Whatever. Like, I'm not I'm not gonna be angry. Yeah. You know, I was recently in a situation where I was curating films at a par- at a party, and I ended up having to pick, you know, what are what are people gonna want to watch in this environment? And the two films I went with were Dodgeball and Walk Hard. And everyone had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Look, if you are, look, now if you put on something like Jack and Joe or bedtime, I'm going to be like, why did you pick this Sandler from? Why? Why unless are you we're all get, Unless we're all getting fucked up and mocking it, not a great, not a great pick. Yeah, but you pick Waterboy. I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. I can, I can, I can dig. We got that. I'm, I'm cool with this. True. 
Well, that's all I got for what's in the box. And uh, all right, yeah, it's good. It's a good run. It's a good one. It's a good one. All right. So now for the social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to share us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in that week, find us on Anchor. Finally, feel free to get on our site, filmgasm.com, reviews, shows, articles, and all of our episodes. Also, check out our letterbox. If you click on Connor's, Connor95, you can find all of us listening in there um, and see what we're talking about, um, especially if you guys want to know what I, if you care, you want to know what I think of the Outwaters, it's a bit the buzzy horror film currently going uh that's going probably going to stay buzzy until scream six comes out more than likely um i have it reviewed it's on there i've talked about i, I put a little blurb and just know that it freaked me out but it's on there um so with that on filmgasm we'll be celebrating our four-year anniversary look at one of the best versus films in the horror genre aka i think the only one that i can think of off the top of my head um <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. I'm with you guys. Fuck the critics and fuck some of the fans on this one. It's a fun goddamn movie. Yes, there's the bad blood with you know them kind of cheating Kane Hodder out of this. They they did him dirty. I'm not gonna say they didn't. But goddamn if this isn't a fun fucking movie. Yeah, looking forward to to digging into that proper talk about the crazy road to release that Freddy versus Jason had. How oh. tough it was to get that movie made. Yes, if you have the time, check out the documentary, uh, Kane Hodder. From hell and back. Hold on, hold on. I have it here. Here we go. Um, to hell and back, the Kane Hodder story. If you can find it to stream somewhere, check it out. Um, it's about him. So it's all about his career. It has a moment in there where he does bring up the Freddy versus Jason stuff with it, and how like he was, you know, they didn't even ask him at all. To be Jason because he won it, yeah. And he talks about it and how you know he he was he was very angry, all that good stuff, you know. So if you have the time, you can you know watch this for a little research on that. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. No, sorry, just to plug in that documentary. And for anyone who actually wants to know about King Hart, fucking awesome documentary. He actually talks about his whole um his burn incident for like the, that was like the first time of him really talking about that documentary and he, he does actually kind of break it's for it's the only time i've seen him break jesus is him talking jesus. about that incident um yeah so he talks about that like so he brings up the whole freddy versus jason debacle on how he feels about it you know luckily he he has said he likes the movie he's on like but you know he has his feelings about the whole situation so yeah that's it that i'll follow him <laughs> yeah so looking forward to talking about that, and that should be a lot of fun. Um, on, I, I own like three copies of Freddy vs. Jason, not because I've gone out of my way to buy three copies. It's just happened. <laughs> hey, I still have all three copies. I remember in high school, oh. I got my hands on like a $10 Amazon gift card for some reason, and I don't know why I immediately was like, I'm going to buy Freddy vs. Jason, and I still have that Blu-ray. I have that Blu-ray because I bought that, and then I picked up the first uh, Friday Thirteenth box that they did that had it, and then I picked up the Shot Factory one, <laughs> and that one had it. So yeah, I just ended up with like three copies of <laughs> of Freddy versus Jason. Um, ah, 
Yeah. And on a uh, on Oscar Sunday, they'll be taking a look at the 1979 disaster film, The China Syndrome. Disaster thriller. Everyone caught it. It was kind of weird. Uh, but the China Syndrome. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's a uh more of a political thriller than anything else, but you know, it's Jack Lemon, Jane Fonda, and Michael Douglas all trying to prevent a nuclear disaster in I believe California. Uh mm. yeah. So it's a, it's a, it was a good movie. It'll be an interesting discussion. It should be. I've heard like apparently like the nuclear industry got mad at the movie, but then everything the movie talked about was like, oh wait, shit, yeah, that's kind of true. So no. had, like, what happened was, yeah, the nuclear industry was pissed at like, how dare you lambast our industry? Why would you, you know, say that nuclear power is unsafe? We're gonna sue this movie, and like, not even a week later, the Three Mile Island incident happened. And the whole world found out just how safe this shit was. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, it's safe. We do it underground, these big silos. Yeah, but if it if it leaks out, that's been the big worry with the whole Ukraine thing, people. <laughs> like they have nuclear plants there, so you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it was one of the first movies to really tackle that kind of uh paranoia. Yeah, something that I, I honestly does kind of scare me. Nuclear power fucking terrifies me. Um, that's the whole thing that you guys talk about right now. Um, until then, don't underestimate the water boy on your sports team. Not only do they keep you refreshed during a game, but they might also just be the ace in the hole you'll need one day. See y'all next week. <laughs> Thank you.